My business plan is to support you at creating and helping you meet your sustainability message because we're just a product, but our product goes to sleep in that wall. No maintenance required. We use less studs. We use less of this. We use less of that. And we want you to start building structures where you think in advance it's going to last 100 years or more, not to the end of the first mortgage or till you get out of your warranty period. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Ryan Bell. So before we get started and before I uh, introduce everyone involved here today, I do want to give a shameless plug for our upcoming Metal Roofing Summit. So if any of you listeners out there are in the roofing or home improvement contracting business, this is a great educational conference. We have some fantastic speakers who will talk about such subjects as lead generation, marketing, in-home sales, crew management, and simply how to grow your business to even greater levels and be able to command your marketplace. This, the Metal Roofing Summit, even though it is sponsored by Isaiah Industries, is not a big metal roofing commercial. In fact, we have lots of folks come who are just maybe thinking about metal roofing or not involved at all. We have had competitors attend and we welcome them. We welcome anybody who simply wants to come and learn from some of the best and also rub elbows with some of the best as well. So in fact, you will walk away thinking, gosh, they never told me about their products. And that's by intention. We just want to build relationships and provide as much value and education as we can. So I encourage you, think about attending the Metal Roofing Summit. It's April 25th to 27th in Dayton, Ohio. Dayton is an extremely easy city to travel in and out of. Uh, we are holding the event at the beautiful University of Dayton Marriott, which is a great facility. Um, so just a nice time to come and relax, work with others, network with others, and learn how to grow your business. You can learn more about that, and you can also register at MetalRoofingSummit.com. So, Ryan, how are you today? Hey, Todd. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well also. I'm uh, excited about our guest today, so let's uh, jump right into it. So, today our guest is Brian T. Stud Iverson. He is Chief Product Officer of U.S. Engineered Wood in the Minneapolis area. Brian is also the CEO of Innovated Structures. Uh, he has a long history in the construction industry and is a prolific inventor coming up with new product ideas. And one of the ones we'll talk about today is his T-stud invention, but his repertoire goes far beyond that. He truly is an industry disruptor with his innovativeness and things that he has come up with, and he is determined to leave a legacy of a reduced carbon footprint of every building built in the world. Um, Brian, welcome to Construction Disruption. Thank you for joining us today. I'm honored, uh, totally. Yep, I'm totally honored. I'm smiling right now, <laughs> but like a little well, kid. I can't wait for these rapid-fired questions. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> do that, and, and I'm glad just, you mentioned that. Yeah. 
Is this like speed dating? <laughs> that, that, that does come down to a little bit like that. It does. <laughs> I also wanted to say, though, we just so everyone knows, we do have our challenge words. So each of us on the show has a word that we have been challenged to work into the conversation somehow. And our audience can kind of listen, see if they pick up on words that we use that they wonder if they might be our challenge word. And at the end, uh, we'll reveal uh, whether we've been successful or not at using our challenge words. So, Brian, I really wanted to spend some time today discussing the T-Stud but and your other inventions. Before we dig into that, can you first tell us a little bit about your beginnings in the construction industry? Yep, 1974. Am I the oldest one on the call, uh, Todd? Well, let's see. I was 11 years old in 1974, so... And well, I know I am older. <laughs> Mr. Bell was not born yet. So <laughs> I was 14. I was born in 1960. Okay. And when I was uh, 14 years old, my neighbor came over and said, I need some help. Do you want to help? And I said, sure. And so I figured out really quick what a string bean, six foot, one and a half, 135 pound young buck was now going to be uh, grabbing hold of a 120 pound sheet of sheetrock. Oh, so I started hanging sheetrock at 14 and here I am six foot one and he's five foot six and you get on the wrong side horse and you are messed up. So I had back surgery in 88. I mean, we, we hung a hundred sheets of sheetrock a day. Uh, I hauled concrete blocks. I hauled it all. So I got immersed into construction early on and I was the grunt and I'm telling you, I was the grunt. I think I got paid five and a half bucks an hour. I'm. Well, was it bad for 74? I know. I thought I got paid pretty good money. <laughs> wow. So by age 28, you were having back surgery. That's not a fun prospect. No, uh, along the way. So I'm a journeyman sheetrock taper. I went to school to become an architect and uh, I didn't have what it took to sit at a desk. And so after two years, uh, I have a two-year degree in architecture and civil engineering. And uh, so I've designed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of places that have been built, 750 actually, from um, a little 25 square meter houses in Costa Rica to million square foot buildings. So all I would do is design them on paper and then the architects or drafts people would finish them. But I learned the ins and outs. I've repaired drywall, I've repaired water damage. I've lived through Minnesota created what they call category one construction in the mid eighties. And so we had houses raining on the inside from moisture. We had, I mean, we had it all, I've lived through it all. And so because of those experiences makes me, allows me to look at life a little bit different in this industry as a whole. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm a prolific inventor. Yeah. 19 products is what we filed patents on in the last uh, nine months. Wow. That is amazing. What an incredible record. So you did catch my ear though, when you mentioned the condensation issues in Minnesota back then. What was the root cause of those? Okay. This call was 45 minutes, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So I, okay, I realized. Right. So here, I'll, I'll get it to uh, uh, really quick. We had to start um, doing what we call them air-to-air exchangers today. Back then, it was a, uh, a cheap little bathroom fan in the hallway that you could control by a switch. But when the motor went out of it, you didn't want to listen to it anymore, so you shut it off. And then all you did was crack the window. So what Minnesota did is they said, well, you have to now have an airtight envelope, but they didn't know that if you left a pinhole left over that all the moisture, because the inside of your house is, is pressurized, they didn't realize where all that moisture was going to go. And so usually it went out around a window or a door or the ceiling, your attic hatch. 
right? Yep, yep. So it was, or around a, a light fixture, a right. can, right? That's where all the moisture went. And literally we rotted out windows off the frame in 12 months. There was so much moisture going out because we as humans create moisture. Sure. And so, so we chased every stucco manufacturer out of the state of Minnesota. Damn. They blamed it on the stucco people. And no, 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 this is sue the state of Minnesota for creating a law that they didn't understand how to manage, right? Every action has a reaction. Sometimes you don't like the reaction, right? And we're not talking politics. We're just talking in construction industry. You go do one thing. And uh, so on the commercial side of things, Mark Parley is one of the top building science guys in the country. There's a lot of commercial work and he'd be a great one to have on, on your call. He's fun as heck. <laughs> and uh, he's out of Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. So when you have a moisture problem inside of your structure, you call him. And he, right now he has one, it's a commercial building. They have moisture underneath every picture in the building. That pinhole that they poke the hole, this is just like roofing, right? You plug a hole and uh, you puncture a hole in the wrong spot, you got a leak, right? Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that happens with moisture inside of a structure. You hang that picture on the wall, guess what? You made a hole. That's where the moisture goes. Well, that's pretty interesting for me because I, I get asked a lot of questions about moisture and condensation. In fact, I uh, was recently working with a drywaller in Minnesota who ended up with kind of a mess that wasn't his fault at all, but fingers were being pointed at him. And uh, yes, yeah. it's interesting. Talk it through. So so let's talk about the T-Stud. What was your impetus for that, uh, inventing that product? And uh, why why did you see the need for it? I've always been a conservation guy. I'm an energy nut. Started an endowment fund for conservation in the late 90s and uh, have a million and a half in there today. So I've always been a follower of Teddy Roosevelt. In fact, I went to Tanzania and I went on the same exact place that he did in the late 1800s. He had 200 indigenous people. I had 19, but he, what took him six months, I did it six weeks. And uh, so I am, I am literally an ecology guy. And so we have finite resources, not infinite resources in the ground. And we better start managing those things. Yeah. Area. You know, so it's just how I'm wired. And uh, so I thought of the uh, T-stud sitting in Stanley, North Dakota. My favorite line for North Dakota is when the wind blows, there's no place to hide. And it was cold and windy. And just um, if your mind is wired that you're always looking for solutions, you think of solutions or you see something and you go, aha, I can do that better. But when you go to work day to day and you're just in the grind, you're kind of in the toilet, swirling around in the toilet, looking downstream and you are stuck inside what you do. I decided that I was going to get outside the box and I was going to go solve for it all. And even some of these huge corporations, they're like, how'd you think of that? I, I go like, because you didn't. And they're like, that's off to you. I'm like, well, just buy a license. We'll, we'll license you. I'm a... Uh, Lots of corporations take these ideas and then they keep it to themselves and never let anybody else in. And we let anybody in. It's like we let people come in and invest. And uh, it's because you never get the opportunity to invest. You never do. It's just somebody like me goes in and creates the idea and sells it off and off you go. So, you know, I, I follow you because you have lots of products and you do a lot of things. And maybe one day that in the future we can work together. I think as a person that you're outstanding. So. That would be awesome to figure that out. And I'll tell you, that's, you know, relationships and um, doing things to benefit everyone along your way. Um, I, I love your approach and love what you're doing. So, well, can you give our 
listeners kind of a visual description. Unfortunately, we don't have video, but give them a description of the T-STUD and some understanding of it and what how it works. Yep. It's really simple. 17% of the exterior of a wall has thermal transfer through it. It's called, uh, called studs, plates, headers, you name it. Uh-huh. Okay. You add in the rim, add in headers, add in the everything in the wall, and you have up to 24% thermal transfer through the wall. And uh, so why do we solve for the wall? Well, you got it easy in the roofing. Like if you only stay in the roofing industry, you don't have that many, any openings for the most part. I mean, you, you do. And we hate every one of them, believe me, but yeah. yes. <laughs> I, yep. And in the wall, 80% of all openings in an entire envelope on a house or a building are in the wall. And so if you can solve for that wall, kind of got the rest of it done. And, um, or at least you get your mind wired that way. And so how the T-stud works is we have a thermal break through the wall assembly. So I, I took a, I took a two by six, let's say, and I slid it in half. I turned both members perpendicular. I stuck foam in the middle and we go to sleep in the wall, no maintenance required. Right. So it's, uh, literally like you're out hunting and wearing camouflage in the field and nobody ever sees you. And so, uh, so we literally go to sleep in the wall. So we are unlike, unlike heat pumps, right? So in the mid eighties, we started coming out with heat pumps. Guess what? Half of those manufacturers of heat pumps are out of business. So if your pump goes out, you're out of business. So that, that big, huge tax rebate that you got, just throw your money into the bucket. You're gone. You have no ROI. In fact, you have a worse ROI because you have to replace the whole system. Wow. I like the idea of no maintenance required. So, uh, so we have a thermal break through the wall. Now we have a metal T-stud. So we have a thermal break through a commercial building coming out this fall. I am now going to give, start giving talks and I'd love for you to pick this up, how to calculate energy savings. And I use all government data and, uh, calculate the BTU savings, turn BTU savings into therms. We turn therms into calculating how many, uh, carbon dioxide settings. And so I have a house right here. I'm going to talk about. And I know you can't see me pointing. There's a Habitat for Humanity house in Northern Iowa. And there I have calculated all the way out. And the school, so this is a bunch of kids. It's a community college, a men and women, 20% women in this class. So God bless them. And uh, they, they're saving 143 metric tons of CO2 from being discharged into the atmosphere. Wow. And the house is only 1,092 square feet. And that's what they saved. So you've put together a calculator and you're going to be running some classes or webinars I am. to teach folks how to use that. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. It's really simple. How will people be able to tap into that or how will they find out how they can, can view that? Okay. So we're going to, we're going to have a schedule out today. We'll have a schedule out today online so people can sign up. Okay. And, and then at the end of the class, we're actually going to send you the whole Excel file and the PowerPoint presentation. Wow. But you got to watch to the end. It's kind of like this show, right? <laughs> right. It's kind of like the show. Unless you watch to the end or you listen to the end, you don't get the happy buzzword at the end. Right? That's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so will that be through what website will folks be able to, to learn about that or? Tstud.com. Tstud.com. Yeah, we, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So even though, so we have, we have no tape drywall corners. We have drain strip. We got all of these products. We're literally going to park them on Tstud.com, even though it's probably not the right place to do it, but it's where we have 20,000 followers going on a daily basis. And so we're just going to park everything there. 
Oh, that makes sense. And so it'll be it'll be on LinkedIn and Instagram and every other. Uh, we are not on TikTok anymore. Okay. We stopped TikTok. I'm not giving away these patents and, and inventions. Probably a wise idea. Yeah. So I want to revert back to the T-Stud real quick. Where do you stand today in terms of commercialization and, and production of, of T-Stud? Okay. We hired a Fortune $5 billion annual company to build two pieces of equipment for us after uh, COVID slammed the Canadian border. So we were a Canadian company when they shut the border. I showed up on Monday. I was fine. We just hired 40 people and they uh, shut the border or just after that. I showed up on Thursday and they said, Mr. Iverson, you have to quarantine. I'm going like, say what? Wow. Yep, you got to quarantine. And uh, so we got kicked out of Canada. All 40 people we just hired were paid enough money to stay home and not come to work. So we lost everybody. But just after that, obviously supply chains went into the toilet uh, for everybody, especially like in your industry, uh, foam, yeah. right? And then we got the double whammy of, in 2021, Austin, Texas froze and so did the Honeywell HFO blowing agent plant. And uh, so five out of seven bats froze solid and now foam's back in business. But we hired this company to build two pieces of equipment. And then after 24 months, they said, well, just sue us because it's not going to work. And uh, so I have $1.2 million sitting in two pieces of equipment that will not operate. So we built another piece. So we are now having two framers and we can do 20 semi-loads of product a month. Oh, wow. So the timing of this show is perfect because we are now going to push on the gas pedal and um, we're able to keep up and produce. We just let a 30-unit apartment building go yesterday, all passive house, and uh, on the call was 30 architects. And is uh, I love talking this language, for sure. Good deal. So what will your distribution look like? Will, it, will you be going through lumber yards or direct to builders or what, what do you see that looking like? Distribution. Okay. has been terrible. Okay. We have tried everything. We just had a two-step distributor who bought product from us wholesale, $1.90, and they're trying to charge $5 yeah. a foot. Yeah. And the lumber yard wanted $7. Well, there's, we're a stud. So we ship direct every day. And uh, so we're selling everything every day. But we are now licensing off the technology across the country. And when we set up a licensee to make the what we a warm stud or the metal T stud, or I don't care what you want to make, but then you become a distributor and you get to distribute all of them. But there's a lot of products out there that don't have distribution, especially in the energy efficiency space. And one-step distribution works perfect. We sell to lumber yards direct, and then we try to help them out on the delivery and logistics. And obviously getting trucks in the middle of wintertime is brutal. There's less flatbed trucks running in the winter because they bobtail everywhere and snow and bobtailing doesn't work. So logistics have been a challenge. Now we're dealing with a company out of Canada who wants to manufacture everything in Canada again. And uh, I'm excited. Paul, so the Canadian production is partly related to the exchange rate, I assume. Is that beneficial or? Yeah, we manufacture. So let's say you're like the warm stud is 99 cents a foot wholesale. Cheapest way to beat the energy code. And, but if you manufacture that in Canada, that's 99 cents Canadian. Right. Well, you sell that over the border, you made your gross profit margin in Canadian dollars, plus you picked up the value of money coming over the border. So you picked up an extra quarter. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I know we've been looking at and talking a little bit about that as well. And, you know, we're right there on par with you too, in terms of, yeah, you know, God bless them. I, I 
love distributors and, and we will welcome opportunities that come up to work with them. But by and large, most of our sales also ends up being direct just because um, it's hard for us to get the attention of distributors. You know, they just want to put their mark up and pass it through to the customers we already drove to them. So you got to ask at some point, does that really make sense for anybody's? Yep. It's been a challenge. Yeah. So I'm curious, you have another organization, Innovated Structures. Tell me a little bit about what that is is, and, and what you do through that organization. Okay. I got to ask you a question. So your, your viewership that you have that is listening to us today, I'm going to bet that there's some professional people because you're a professional person. You're trying to educate people across all industries. So I think your following is, is more than like just a, a Matt Risinger where he's trying to sell a product. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it is. I, and actually a lot of our followers are architects as far as we can tell. So, uh, okay. Enjoy that audience as well. Okay. So when you file, when you file patents as uh, and prolific is what, not one of our, one, not one of our little code words that we got going back here, but it would have been a good one. <laughs> when you file uh, patents, you don't want to really necessarily file, uh, operate or manufacture the product that you want in the same company that you hold your IP. And so we've always created manufacturing companies to go do that. And so I put all the T-stud patents into one company and uh, I appreciate it, but a lot of those shareholders didn't want any more patents dumped on top of them. So I created another one, which is Innovated Structures. And what ended up happening is that I rolled all my assets now, all my shares and all the companies into Innovated Structures. And so that will be the go forward company. And because we're, uh, we have the number one sustainable patents in the entire globe. We will look to do a go public metric of, of some sort in the future. And so right now, Innovated holds uh, 26 product patents all the way. I'll let this out of the bag. We have uh, replacements for concrete footings and concrete foundations. It's a one piece unit. It'll hold 40,000 pounds a lineal foot. And you can set the whole footing foundation because it comes as one unibody assembly. Uh-huh. It's all made 80% recycled plastics and recycled windmill blades. I can't stand that stuff going into the landfill. I can't stand it. And, uh, but unless there's a big industry to go take it, it's still going to go in the landfill. landfill. So I created a monster. Now, is that coming out next week? No, it's two years. It's two years out, but you got to start today. And hence sure. the a go public metric, right? So the roofing side that you're in, you know, we've looked at doing a roofing product, recycled fiberglass windmill baits, the whole nine yards. I know that there's some other products out there that you use that, but we're trying to stop the two by four flying at a hundred miles an hour from coming through the roof and from coming through the wall and make it cost effective uh, for everybody. And we have a solution. We built a, a wall assembly. We hit it at, at 35 miles an hour the other day, and we didn't even dent it. We didn't even make a mark, 35. So we went and bought a pumpkin launcher so that we can now start shooting at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> like, we're from Minnesota. We get fun. to do things redneck, man. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> that sounds fun. Right? You, do you need yep. someone to come uh, shoot some video of that? I'd volunteer. How we, uh, oh, can you imagine sitting on top with, with, the, with the drone and watching these two by fours coming at it? I think that'd be yeah. a blast. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. So now you've caught my interest on the wind turbine recycling. What's involved in that? So those are fiberglass based usually. I, I know very little. Yeah. At that. So, so tell me a little bit about that. 
I thought this show was 45 minutes. Yeah, well, you know, we got a little liberty there. Okay, so so a plug for the University of Maine. They do the only testing in the world of windmill blades. Only testing. Literally. And they test the whip. They test the whip for longevity to make sure that all the windmill blades pass. And uh, so windmill blades have up to a 40-foot whip in them. Mm. 40 feet. Crazy. Wow. But, wow. you know, some of them blades are 120 feet long. So their their state-of-the-art facility is over the top. Anyway, there's a company in Newton, Iowa that is looking at, I believe they got their permit, but they're going to shove in a windmill blade at one end and spit out little small pieces of fiberglass on the other. They're actually owned by a, a concrete company, a cement company, and uh, out of uh, Michigan, I believe. And so we're in the same building. We're in the old Maytag building in Newton, Iowa. So we have a a good hub and a spoke operation down there. So we're able to ship out east and west, left and right, up and down. It doesn't make any difference, but they're in the same building. They're, they're going to push these windmill blades into the basement of the building. I'm sure it's not a fun job. Can you imagine grinding up windmill blades, all that carbon fiber? Wow. wow. But yeah, let's breathe that in, right? So they have state-of-the-art equipment, I guess, is what they're putting in there in order to deal with uh, dust collection and stuff. Uh, but So they're going to grind them. That's incredible. I had no, one, I had no idea they were that elastic almost, but two, I've always heard bad things about those going to the landfill. And so I'm glad something's being done about it. Well, they're burying them right now. Burying them. They only last 20 years. Is that what they're doing? Burying them? Bur yes, they bury them underneath farmer's fields. How dumb is that? Wow. Like, the three of us on this call, that is not how we're wired. And, and neither is anybody else that's listening to this. I can't, I can't stand. No, not when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned innovative structures going public is your plan in a couple of years. You are accepting private investors right now. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. We've never taken in any, um, I'm going to call it private equity money. Mm -hmm. So I have architects, I have builders, I have people like yourselves. Everybody has to be accredited now. But yes, we take my one uh, board of director gentleman. Uh, Jim Mountain, he's the CFO of uh, Armor Capital, a $2 billion real estate investment trust. My other director is an architect and is the chairman of a board of a $6 billion bank, Kevin Munson out of Iowa. I have the craziest people, a certified energy auditor for the Canadian government. I asked them how you became accredited, and I said, no, 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 don't tell me. I, how, does a, how does a government employee out of Canada become accredited? <laughs> so we take investment all the time from people because because you never get the opportunity to invest into what you do. Yeah, and sure. so I have probably one third of all my people are carbon, embodied carbon people, architects and engineers, one third of them. 25% uh, of my shareholders are women and my hat's off to them. Every other month we have a shareholder chat so I can bring everybody up to speed on what we're doing and we just chat. And sometimes I got 60, 70 people on the call and we all talk. So I, I don't run a normal, a normal company. But we're, we're licensing off the technology because, again, I don't want to keep it to myself and I want to give other people the opportunity to be able to go do that. Yeah. Right. Because you never get the opportunity. Somebody gave me an opportunity when I was 14 years old. I just didn't realize what it was going to mean. OK. And so I'd like to share that. Todd, you and I are, are getting older. And as we get older, you have a choice. You can either share it or keep it. Well, yeah. I'm choosing to share it. So are all of my directors. We're, we want to share it. And we want to see people like Ryan come up and, uh, and run the organization. And so our goal is to support the, I'll tell you this, 50% of all my shareholders are in their 30s and 40s. Some of them are in their 20s. Wow. Yep. 
Yep. So, so we want you to come up, Ryan, and to run the organization, and we want to train you for the next stage of your life, right? So going through life, when you're old, like older, like Todd and I, you know, you have this bucket list and some things that you put on your bucket list are you never write down that you want to see one of your parents pass away and you never write down that you'd like to take a company public. So I got the good fortune to see my father passed away last year and it was a, a true blessing. And the go public part, is that something that's really important to me? No, but we sit with 26 products and we have the whole sustainability space and we're a global opportunity. We have uh, calls next week from Kuwait. Uh, we have calls next week from uh, East Africa on the metal stud. The warm stud is the cheapest one. And we want to teach people how to save carbon credits. And I don't think in the housing industry, we're going to collect any money for that. But some of the buildings we're looking at, uh, their check is $100,000 in carbon credits that they get to sell because we made those buildings and big apartment buildings so energy efficient. And it's pretty easy to calculate the carbon credits. It just never was in one, any one spot. Nobody ever sat down and said, how do you do it? So I'm going to teach them. So. Wow. Well, I love what you're doing and uh, fantastic. And you kind of touched on younger folks and stuff. So we do think that a lot of our audience members are younger folks early on in their careers and, you know, sometimes design, construction, even remodeling. Having a long history yourself in construction, what advice would you have for someone getting started in this industry? What things should be they be paying attention to? Maybe, you know, what might be good directions for their careers? Obviously, the sustainability space right now yeah. is getting the most amount of attention. And so what's interesting, okay, so the recession, the recession uh, hit, and let's call it the 1st of December is we in the construction industry, maybe not you on the commercial industrial side, but on the residential side, they, it came to not a halt, okay? but it definitely absolutely slowed down. And when those things happened, my entire future changed overnight. And so the paths that we were going down, we had to take a look as directors and say, we're, we've been given a gift of manna. And I'm, I'm not a politics guy, political whatsoever. I can't stand any of them. And so, but this administration is pushing carbon credits, green energy, it's pushing energy efficiency. And right now, every builder that's out there is calling because they want to separate themselves from everybody else. I literally have a 55,000 unit builder coming to my house next week, to my house, because he wants to sit down and understand what it is and what this can mean for his company. And I've been asked, and so you can use this, Todd. I've been asked, what, what is our company's sustainability message? And I said, well, that's really simple. I don't have a message. I have a business plan. My business plan is to support you at creating and helping you meet your sustainability message because we're just a product, but our product goes to sleep in that wall. No maintenance required. We use less studs. We use less of this. We use less of that. And we want you to start building structures where you think in advance it's going to last a hundred years or more, not to the end of the first mortgage or till you get out of your warranty period. Yeah. So when you start thinking out a hundred years, even you as, as in the roofing side of things, when you start talking to people that you got to make it last a hundred years, no maintenance required. Oh, how much money is that going to cost extra? Well, not really, not that much, but it's going to, you need to start deciding on selecting which materials you're going to use, right? Because if it was $5,000 extra, you'd be dumber in a box of rocks to not use it. It's the return on investment is massive. So 
you got to select those things that have the least amount of, of maintenance required. Makes a lot of sense. That's good and good advice for folks out there. That's for sure. Well, if you have architects listening, they just need to understand that there is an ROI to this. There's a return on investment and there's a payback period. Mm-hmm. And you, the two of you and what you do, you're able to help these people at selecting those products. You have your go-to products. You don't want to put products out there that, that have maintenance required. What a hassle. So I'm inventing products that have no maintenance required. That's it. Love it. Love it. Plus all the other sustainability and energy benefits as well. Good stuff. Well, I have to, to thank you, Brian. Um, we actually are close to wrapping up the business end of things. Um, this has been really informative and enlightening. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you want to make sure you get in there and share with our audience? Yeah, I started out doing drywall in 1974 and I, and, uh, and I couldn't, they stuck me in a closet. Okay. You stick you in the closet because you got to learn how to put mud on the corner, tape the corners, the whole nine yards. So I finally invented a product that got rid of all the taping. Like you just, uh, it's a heat activated glue. You stick it on, off you go. And as fast as you can put it up, you're done. Just paint over the top of it. But it, it took from 1974 to today to actually get figured out. That is really disruptive. Fantastic. Okay, so there's there's my plug. No tape drywall cutters, because I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be able to find that on tstud.com too. Yeah, tstud.com too. Yeah, just that's where it's all parked there. And, you know, one of the other things that hits me on that is every contractor out there deals with the shortage of skilled labor. So anything to make faster and simpler is just huge for them also. Labor, that's a challenge, right? Yeah. Right. So through COVID, what we figured out is if you don't have employees, you don't have a company. Sure. Yeah. And right now they're saying that 90% of everybody lives inside their unit. If there's a apartment, condo, townhouse, you're inside that space for 90% of your life. When you come home, the pollution that, that you don't want to have anything to do with is you don't want to hear your neighbor. You don't want to smell them. You don't want to see them. You don't want anything to do with them. And you don't want to push your pollution onto them. And so they need to start making those spaces super energy efficient and healthy. And again, that's what we do. And uh, we help people, builders, architects, make structures so energy efficient that we get rid of that doggone magic pack that sits out on the, on the balcony. Like the group yesterday, uh, we saved them $5,000 per unit, and but we made them 60% more energy efficient for no more money. So, okay, there's my plug. Good stuff. Well, this has been fantastic. And again, we'll, we'll come back to this, but folks can learn more about all of this at tstud.com as, as well as future innovations. So before we close out, Brian, I have to ask if you're willing to participate in something we call our rapid fire questions. So these are seven questions, some a little serious, some a little silly. All you got to do is give an answer for each. And our audience understands if Brian agrees to the challenge of rapid fire. He has no, no idea what we're going to ask. So are you up to this challenge? Is this like speed dating? It's kind of like that. Yeah, it kind of is. It's, well, okay. it's surprising. Sometimes it isn't that fast. Sometimes people have long answers. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. Is this how you keep people past 45 minutes? Yeah, this is this is it. Yeah, this is basically is it. Our, oh, our so they're all, so all your listeners already know what's coming. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. let's go. Let's go. What am okay. I going to do? Say no? Yeah, that's right. That'd be bad. Okay, we will alternate asking. Brian, you want to ask the first one? First one? 
Sure, I'd be happy to. What's uh, the first car that you ever owned? Oh, uh, 1973 Ford Pinto. I bought it for my dad for 500 bucks. And it was that lime green, puke green color. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that color. Four speed, four cylinder. My first job was mowing lawns. I started mowing lawns when I was very young. And I bought, we lived kind of out in the country, and I bought a moped so that I could ride into town. I saved up my money to buy a moped so I could drive into town to mow lawns. And then when I got my driver's license, I sold my moped for $600 and bought my first car for $600. Sweet. Good for you. <laughs> so 500 is close, you know, to that yeah. price range. And that was, oh gosh, I don't know what year that would have been in the 90s, but it was not a nice car. <laughs> the weird thing is we asked this question once before, and I think that person also said a Pinto. I think you are the second <laughs> yes. person that, that had a Pinto as their first car. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Question number two, what is your favorite meal? More than likely one that I prepare myself. <laughs> I'm single. When you file patents, it gets to be ugly. And I enjoy uh, stopping and making a meal every night. So I don't do fast food. And so I make everything. But I do enjoy uh, crab legs. I enjoy lobster. I, uh, I just bought a little smoker. And so I'm going to start uh, smoking a few things in that. But there's nothing better than eating fresh walleye on the back end of a boat. So my favorite meal is fresh walleye on the back end of a boat. There you go. That sounds wonderful. It's not an answer we've ever had. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, not at all. Next question, top or bottom half of the bagel? What is your preference? What kind of a question is that? Is this a true or false question? No, it's, and, and we find people have a distinct preference. If they're eating a bagel, whether they want to eat, whether the top or the bottom half is their favorite part. I think it matters more if it's a bagel. With like, like an everything bagel. Yeah. You could have asked me like if rye bread, do you eat the butt end? Do you eat the butt end or will you just throw that part away? And I'd always eat the butt end. <laughs> uh, so I'd have to say the top, but you could have said a donut, right? Do you take the top half off and eat that? Yes, I do. So I guess it'd be the top half. Interesting. Okay. Question four, you'll, you'll like this one. If you had to eat a crayon, what color of crayon would you choose to eat? Violet. There you go. Any particular reason? Favorite color. Favorite color. Okay. Good. Yeah. Favorite color. Violet. I know that. That does that mean that I have a, a a female tendency? I don't really care. I just happen to like. Uh, I like good art. I like architecture. I like uh, creative people and creative minds. And I I love color. Awesome. Yep. It's like some camouflage in the in the woods is really good, and other is rotten. It's like, oh, look at that guy. Huh? Yeah. And others like. There's somebody out there. Like, where are they? Where are they? Right. So you, you got to be good. Right. <laughs> so I like color. Sorry. That was a long answer. That's a good one. Good one. What would you like to be remembered for? Saving the earth. That is noble and you're well on your path to it. That's good. Good stuff. <laughs> Next to last question. Do you feel most creative in the mornings or the evenings? Oh, that's why I'm single. You wake up in the morning and you solve for something. And it's been rough. You wake up at two, three o'clock in the morning and you're awake for a few hours and you solve your biggest challenges, you know, because just because you invent something, the next stage is you have to be able to commercially produce it. And so I have, I have unbelievable people on my team today. I have unbelievable people that help me, but I'm not going to be filing more patents. 
I've run that lane. I have a lot to do. And, and now I want to share what I have with the world. I'm an early morning guy too. So I understand. I'm there with you. Okay. Last question. Final question. What's the best or worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I've had a few people tell me, how do you get up in the morning and keep going? And so I tell them, I, I'm a huge believer in God. When you get up in the morning, you fight the fight. You know, the devil is, the devil is always there and telling you to stop. So the worst piece of advice I've ever gotten is from the devil when he told me to stop. Love that. Love that. Love one. Yep. Amen. Well, so now's the time I let everyone know whether we were successful with our challenge words. We were all successful. Ryan, you had the word. Elastic. Elastic. You worked it in well. Brian, you were twice as good. You had the word camouflage and you worked it in twice. Yep. May, at least, maybe more. I think just. No, twice. I was thinking about it though. <laughs> <laughs> I had the word revert, which Brian gave to me and I, I worked it in someplace. So we were all successful. Kudos to you all. That's great. Well, Brian, this has been great. It's been very eye-opening as well. And man, just kudos to you for all you're doing and for the innovation and for really that goal and desire of, of changing the world and changing the world the way the world built, leaving the world a better place. So can you tell us again how folks who may want to get in touch with you, how they can most easily do that? Yeah, it's really T stud, the letter T and then stud, stud.com. It's the fastest way that's out there. And you just go through the system and somebody will push the message to me. And I'd, I'd love to talk with anybody, especially if you're an, an entrepreneur type and you're looking for direction, I will give you time. If you'd like to manufacture and you want to be an entrepreneur and spread your wings and go do something, we'll help you out. It doesn't make a difference where you're at in the globe. I don't care if you're in Canada, United States, Mexico. I don't even care if you're in Europe. I'm going to the UK. We're uh, actually shipping our first container out in a month to the United Kingdom of bare naked tea studs. Wow. So teastud.com. Fantastic. Well, I encourage everyone regardless to visit teastud.com and learn about uh, the great things these folks are doing and learn about their products. So that's fantastic. Uh, so I will close out once again with a short plug for the Metal Roofing Summit. Encourage everyone would love to come see you. Visit us April 25th the 27th in Dayton, Ohio. In connection with uh, the summit, we will also have a time for a plant tour at our plant here in Pickwell, Ohio. And we will also have some time for some high-level installation training the day after. So again, you can check that out at metalroofingsummit.com. So again, thank you so much, Brian. This has been a pleasure. And I'd like to thank our audience too for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption and again, this has been with Brian T. Stud Iverson of U.S. Engineered Wood. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We're always blessed with amazing guests. Don't forget to leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until the next time we're together, we always encourage everyone, change the world for someone, uh, make them smile, encourage them, bring them hope. Just simple things, yet powerful things we can do to change the world. In the meanwhile, God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries, signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption.